Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roundup. Very happy today. Of course, I'm Adam So Happy today to be joined by Sid. Sid, looking sharp, liking the haircut, liking the aesthetic. How are you feeling, buddy? Are you feeling as good as you're looking? I'm doing all right. Happy to be joining you. Of course, you know, I got to keep it fresh every six months, change my appearance entirely. Uh, that way, you know, just lose uh, lose track of the government here and there, make sure I keep them on their toes. How are you doing? <laughs> Oh, I'm doing great. I think you got that dead right. That is one of your expertise. You're really good. You're standing next to me. We're covering a protest. Some action goes down and I turn around and you're gone and you're right where the action is happening. Just like that. I think that chameleon aesthetic changing it up on the fly. I think that probably helps. You know, I am doing good today. No complaints. What? So ever lots of stories to get to before we get into those, um, though, I want to cover some of the nuts and bolts stuff for folks who watch stream every day. You've heard this before for folks who haven't. Well, we're going to go through it anyways. Rumble, Odyssey, YouTube, Getter, that's probably where you're joining us today. If you're watching us somewhere else, well, let us know because I'd be very interested. Um, I am encouraging you, if you're watching on YouTube, that's fine. That's okay. But consider switching over to one of the free speech platforms that doesn't censor uh, creators or people who do uh, shows like this. Because it's, it's important to have platforms that aren't working on behalf of the government and instead are working on behalf of the people who utilize them. That's very important. Rumble is one of those platforms, a strong defender, even taking a little bit of heat for daring to stand up with some of its creators. So uh, Rumble is a great place to watch stream. The other nice thing with Rumble is you can participate uh, by using Rumble Rants. So we'll actually, while we're doing the stream, see your comments and we actually get to go back and forth. We don't just listen to government handlers. We don't do that at all. We're not the mainstream media. Instead, we listen to you, the viewer. Rumble Rants, the best way to do that. The other thing too is, I mean, we, we've got a team working on this. Sid's here. I'm here. We go through all the stories, put in lots of prep time. There's costs involved with all that. If you chip in five bucks, do a rant. That helps us keep the lights on. It's really appreciated. It also, it also uh, makes the show more fun. Uh, and lastly, you can support us by joining on Locals. You're going to get access to all of our content you'd see on other social media. But additionally, um, you're actually supporting our work and getting access to some of the content you won't see anywhere else whatsoever. As I mentioned, lots to get to on the show today. We're going to talk about Saskatchewan protecting parental rights, Smith continuing to take on Ottawa, Trudeau cutting a billion from the Canadian Armed Forces, Truth and Reconciliation, LGBTQ, we have got it all today. But before we get to any of that relatively breaking news here, um, Dwayne Keith D. Davis is arrested in connection with Tupac Shakur murder 27 years after he was killed on Las Vegas Strip in drive-by shooting. So 27 years ago, not exactly news, but the fact that for many out there, I know that there's been, there's conspiracy circles, there's people who, uh, the, the amateur sleuth detectives online who look into this stuff, whatever it may be, um, some sort of progress in the Tupac Shakur case. News I did not expect to see whatsoever today. Said, have you been waiting with uh, bated breath for, uh, for an arrest on the Tupac Shakur murder? Yeah, ever since before I was in the womb, I've been waiting to find <laughs> out what happened. It's uh, 27 years ago. It's interesting it, that it's coming to light now. You know, one thing it does make me think of, though, is the fact that you, you account for the murders and the crime that takes place both there, of course, and in Canada. And, and the percentage of crimes or the percentage of, you know, people that are actually caught for these crimes, the, the rate of people being charged for the crimes that are taking place uh, is much lower than one might hope, especially when you look into murders and stuff like that. Uh, one would hope there would be a little more action on finding the people who are killing other people. Uh, but, you know, this is the state of affairs. It takes 27 years to figure out or to identify more information in a very high profile uh, uh, death. Yeah, definitely. So uh, some progress now. We just have to get to the bottom of Biggie. That's the next uh, next item on the agenda. So more conspiracies abound. Fear not. 
All right, let's get into some local stuff. Um, and, and we'll start with this story. Uh, cyber attacks hit military parliament websites as India-based groups target Canada. The federal government is coping with cyber attacks this week with a hacker group in India, uh, which claims it has uh, caused the chaos in Ottawa. But Canada's signals intelligence agency says the nuisance attacks likely haven't put private information at risk. Likely haven't from the government means probably has. Um, I think uh, the Canadian Armed Forces says its website became unavailable for mobile users midday Wednesday, but it was fixed within a few hours. The military says the site is separate from other government sites, such as the one used by Department of Defense and internal military networks. The incident remains under investigation. The article goes on. It's wild, though. I mean, how much of this stems? Obviously, there was an incident. There may be ties to India as far as this assassination. It's, it, I have flashbacks to Eritrean conflict on the streets in Calgary. Now on the streets of Surrey, we're seeing assassinations associated with the Khalistani-Indian conflict. We don't need this stuff pouring over onto our streets. It can stay abroad. The fact that the individual who was assassinated, and that is tragic, came into the country, to the best of my understanding, illegally, and then still managed to gain Canadian citizenship despite this sort of long, questionable history, and then... The Indian government allegedly at this point, according to Trudeau anyways, was involved uh, in, in that assassination. That's a conflict for not, not, on, our, not on our territory. That's a, that's a foreign conflict, and we need to ha stop having foreign conflicts pouring over into violence on our streets. But beyond that, Trudeau, and I think this is the real core of the story, he was embarrassed internationally by India. He was treated as not really a world leader. Um, his airplane didn't... I mean, it, it was the perfect storm. It was almost as embar embarrassing as last time when he went back into the a Bollywood dance. This was potentially more embarrassing. And weeks later, suddenly our government is unrolling anti-Indian propaganda effectively. Um, extremely troubling. And then this is the, this is just the start of it, but this is some of the stuff that we've seen as a consequence. Not to mention uh, relations, official relations with India, but now groups from that country, whether they're associated with the government or not, we don't know that. Now, now targeting our, our parliamentary websites, military websites, all of this. It's extremely troubling. I, for one, think Trudeau is, is largely to blame. He's 100% to blame. Um, you, you look at his track record. I mean, he's been in office for how long now? Uh, and it's just the laundry list of him tripping on different problems keeps arising. And what did we say? Of course, this all breaks down uh, or this is all taking place. Uh, just days after these uh, allegations between India and Canada, uh, Justin Trudeau and Parliament gave a standing ovation to a Nazi. Um, so there's 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 just a long laundry list of Justin Trudeau tripping on himself. And what did he say? He said, uh, I believe, to CBC reporters, there was uh, members of his cabinet that uh, told the CBC reporters, uh, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, they said that Trudeau's, you know, main statement to them was just forget about it. Don't talk about it. The people will forget. And that's the mentality that Justin Trudeau has in office is he'll commit the most egregious to the most egregious things. And then he'll yeah. say, just don't worry about it. They'll forget about it. You know, there's there's no problem. Hey, don't look over there. Um, that, that's his whole attitude. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, and it, it truly is a shame. Yes. And you, you're dead on. He, I, I tweeted about this recently. I mean, he's like a narcissist. He can't imagine himself doing anything wrong. He just can't. And even when he does something, like you can see Speaker Rhoda reading those notes, and he's never seen them before. He doesn't know Hunk's story, really. I mean, I'm sure he probably talked to him. You can, like, watch his face when he's his like... eyebrows. Fought, fought the... Uh, wait, but if he was... Fought, hold, 
you can literally see him. He, I've never read this before, and I'm reacting to it. Is is what his face says. Um, but but the laundry list you talked about. Let's jump to this tweet now. Four times in the last week, Western elites have blamed Russia for a diverse range of problems. Trudeau, my applauding an SS soldier, was Moscow's fault. Obviously, the first thing when they asked him to apologize was, uh, "We have to combat Russian disinformation." The Russian disinformation is not that you applauded a Nazi. You applauded a Nazi. That would be Russian information or information, as it's otherwise known. Um, that is accurate information of what really uh, happened. And then you weren't willing to apologize. When he did apologize, and it's funny, CBC, everybody else, they said Trudeau apologizes. No, he said this was embarrassing for Canadians. It's not embarrassing for him because he can't be embarrassed. Um, he said the, the, the House apologizes and the Speaker made a mistake. He can't say any sane leader would be like, I apologize for allowing this to happen. It's completely unacceptable. And that would be, Canadians are inclined to forgive an apology. If someone had a heartfelt like, yeah, someone brought in an eight, 98-year-old veteran, said we should give them a round of applause, and as soon as they said it, we realized this was a cataclysmic mistake. I apologize for allowing this to happen. That would be the same thing to do, but we're dealing with Trudeau. So that's not the case. Hillary, obviously, when the Democrats lose, it's always Russia's fault. Fox News, Americans turned against the war in Ukraine because of Russian disinformation. The Economist people of Niger demand France leave due to Russian propaganda. So everything is just Russia or India now. It's Russia or India. We, it used to just be Russia. Now we've added India because they weren't very nice to Trudeau. But th this, we're at war with East Asia, Eurasia, 1984-type dialogue we're living in is not, not the fruits of a healthy culture. It's not the fruits of a liberal democracy. Um, this is the type of stuff that people living under dictatorship, communist dictatorship, borderline brainwashing will believe and accept, and they'll, they'll embrace it wholeheartedly. We've seen that over the last few years. People embracing ideas that have been proven false. But regardless of that, they, they just continue to tout those perspectives. Well, now, and I'm, go ahead, I'm, go ahead. I'm not sure if we can pull this up in short order, but I know there's a clip of Trudeau talking back in the day about how divisive politics works. Uh, mm -hmm. Even though, you know, he says, you know, he wouldn't use it. How, how oh, will be the day that Justin Trudeau uses divisive politics? Um, yeah. But he talks very firmly about its effectiveness. Um, yeah. and, and that is the playbook. He, I mean, he says it outright. And the only reason why I think, you know, for so long he's been under the, I guess, under the radar in a sense. Uh, but mainstream media is constantly covering for this guy. And you see it with the, the apology uh, articles that they were writing for him. It's like Trudeau apologizes. No, he didn't apologize whatsoever. He said, you know, we're sorry for this thing that happened that I don't have any involvement in. That's not leadership. I'm sorry, but we haven't had leadership in this country since our, our former prime minister. Uh, Justin Trudeau is a drama teacher. If, uh, his, his entire uh, aura, his entire being is a drama teacher. That is all he is. He knows how to play people. That's what he does. And that's why, you know, it's not even, you know, there's all of these issues that have arose from Justin Trudeau, but these aren't the problems. The problem that we're having in Canada is the fact that our politicians use, uh, they talk, they talk out of both sides of their mouths. You know, you might, you might say that's redundant because they're a politician, but they need to start speaking as though we are paying attention to them, as though we are listening to them, as though we actually understand what they're saying. Because the fact of the matter is Justin Trudeau doesn't care about any of that. He, he just says what he knows can be massaged into a large populist opinion.
Yeah, exactly. Dead on. And you know, the wild thing that I've noticed lately is going back to like old Justin Trudeau content. Um, there's these all these tweets recirculating from 2013 where he's like, it's a scandal every day with this government. And uh, the prime minister needs to take accountability for his people. Um, everything that he says, like it, it really didn't apply that much to the Harper government, but it certainly applies to him today. So it's funny seeing those old uh, decade old tweets coming up now uh, to bite Trudeau, though. Again, yeah, there we go. It's hard to feel disappointed in your government when every day there's a new scandal. And then literally in relation to the Trudeau not taking any acknowledgement, he tweeted like, like the, the prime minister needs needs to pay, take accountability for all of his people. He's never, ever, ever done that, which is wild. But while Trudeau is making enemies, aggravating people, popularity plummeting, um, and he's making enemies both with Russia and with India, make no mistake, uh, this is probably the closest we've been to a war in quite a long time. Um, conflicts that people are concerned about, that is, that is a very sort of sensible concern. Uh, but they're not the only people we're mad. Even our allies, our NATO allies, we are nowhere close to our commitments. Um, I don't have the exact numbers now, but I heard recent polling. Um, and the polling tried to seem to be pushing towards people saying environmentalism mattered. But far more people were saying that they're more concerned about increased military spending than that. We're not meeting our 2% NATO budget uh, commitment. Our allies, which many of them are not meeting them as well, to be fair, but our allies aren't happy that we're not meeting them. Um, we have massive territory. We're directly to the north exposed to Russia. Um, and so what's Trudeau doing? Making everybody mad, doing all of this stuff. And then he's looking to cut $1 billion from national defense budget, as people are saying we really need to spend more on our national defense budget. I, I know we understand the sentiment that Justin Trudeau wanted to make Canada post-national, and most people thought he wanted to destroy the idea of Canada, but the trajectory we're on, infuriating our allies, infuriating foreign superpowers, and then absolutely defunding our military, one has to wonder if he literally wants to destroy Canada uh, wholeheartedly, no longer symbolically. Um, the Liberal government looking to cut almost $1 billion from the annual budget of the Department of National Defense, a demand the country's top military commander says is prompting some difficult conversations within the military. Uh, Chief of the Defense uh, Staff, General Wayne Ayer, and Deputy Minister of Defense Bill Matthews testified before House of Commons Committee last late Thursday uh, when they acknowledged in more detail the ramifications of the federal government spending reduction plan. The article does go on effectively, but uh, for right now, uh, the budget for 2023-2024 is expected to be 26.5 billion dollars. That is a far cry from what they invest in, like eco initiatives and stuff it's it's extremely problematic but what's your take on this just as a canadian maybe not even someone working in the media but as a canadian we are extremely vulnerable we've heard time and time again veterans are asking for too much meanwhile the whole world every canadian basically if you look at this polling is like no we, we need to give our, our troops the right equipment and support them after they've served is this completely backwards well, what, Justin Trudeau recently, didn't he not announce uh, that he was proud of the fact that he had given, what was it, 60 or $90 billion to Ukraine? Uh, and here he is, you know, cutting a, a billion dollars off our national defense fund. I, I just think there's something deeply ironic about that. But it also shows where his priorities are. You know, why are we sending billions overseas when every single day there's more and more people on the streets here in Canada? Uh, and that's no exaggeration. It, it's absolutely disgusting 
disgusting. The misappropriation of our money, because this is taxpayer money that they're just dishing out or printing and devaluing. They're they're handing it to everybody except for the Canadians who they're stealing it from, basically. It, it's absolutely shameful. And that was, yeah, the additional money, $650 million to Ukraine amid yeah. Justin Trudeau giving with Zelensky, the, the leader of Ukraine, celebrating yeah. a Nazi in Canadian parliament. It's yeah. absolutely disgusting. And there's questionable ties as to, you know, our activities there, while our, our Justin Trudeau, Christy Freeland, members of our Canadian government have visited Ukraine, who are these people meeting? And I really want to know, and I want, I, I do hope we can get to the bottom of where every single cent of that money is going. Because if they are handing it to, let's say, you know, a neo neo-Nazi groups that are operating within Ukraine, even if it's by accident that they're getting a hold of our Canadian taxpayer money, that's a serious yeah. problem. That is us yeah. funding Nazis internationally. Is that the case? I don't know. I don't think we really do have a solid answer on that, but we need to come up with an answer because if it is the case, that is extremely detrimental to the reputation of Canada, I would think, internationally. Well, and there's been a lot of digging, not to mention Christia Freeland's background, but uh, into the history of sort of Nazi inclusionism in Canada, especially under the Liberals. Um, after the war, if you could show your SS tattoo, apparently the Liberal government would effectively usher you in it was like a free pass because you were like a good person who could contribute meaningfully to society now don't get me wrong we saw that within intelligence communities when they were trying to bring in the best scientists so they couldn't be weaponized so i understand that there's circumstances for that but this seemed to be a carte blanche like come on over everything's fine so this is not like it's one superficial incident this is a troubling part of canadian history that we need to be sensitive to the other consideration with ukraine is the, the fact that i mean some of this has been debunked. Some of this is still being investigated. But there are a lot of questions about the Biden connections within Ukraine. I, there, there's a lot going on there that is that none of it comes out squeaky clean. It simply cannot come out squeaky clean. Uh, but yeah, you're, earlier you mentioned the number since 2022, 9.5 billion has gone uh, to Ukraine, which is and I, we're not even getting into the 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 nature of the conflict or picking sides here or anything. But that's a third of our entire military budget. A third is being shipped away when we're, we've got helicopters falling into the ocean and inadequate technology. And West Edmonton Mall has more submarines than the Canadian military. Like, it's a problematic situation. And uh, we can't defend ourselves. I get funding a foreign conflict serves as a buffer zone. But are those really the international sort of neocon warmongering strategies that Canada likes to get involved with? It's certainly a, a troubling situation. One thing I know for sure is Justin Trudeau is not the man to be at the helm throughout this. Uh, General Wayne Ayer, uh, in closing on this story, says there's no way you can take almost a billion dollars out of the defense budget and have no impact whatsoever. Um, I think the sentiment among folks is going to be categorical and unanimous among Canadians, other than the like, strong anti-military uh, crowd, which is smaller than you might think. Support our troops, give them the equipment they need, end of story. That's one place Canadians don't mind spending a few billion extra on. Pull it out of some of these battery investments in Hamilton, Ontario, whatever, and, and give it to the military. Um, on that note, we are going to jump to an ad break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit Alberta. Come on out November 25th. It's all aboard the Freedom Train in Niagara-on-the-Lake. You can check Rebel News for updates and also the Freedom Passport site. Tamara Leach, who led the Truckers' Convoy, will be sharing the stage with some of the finest international recording artists. 
like the Chops Horns from New York City, who's played with Alicia Keys, Stevie Wonder, the Rolling Stones, and many more. Plus, New World Sun, just off a European tour, and the legendary R&B master, Leroy Emanuel. Get on the freedom train with Tamara Leach. Saturday, November 25th at Niagara on the Lake Central Community Center, 680 York Road. Get your tickets today at freedompassport.ca. The freedom train is coming. Know your rights. Know your freedoms. Hey, Ben Shapiro here. This November, the Wilberforce Project is bringing me to Canada. If you want to fight the woke machine destroying families, join me in Calgary for my talk, hosted by the Wilberforce Project. Go to benshapirolive.ca for info and tickets. Man, man, Calgary is the place to be lately. Last night, the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms had their dinner. Dr. Jay Bhattacharya was there. I'm going to talk about him in a little bit. We've got Ben Shapiro coming. Uh, October 2nd and 3rd, we've also got Take Back Alberta with uh, uh, Dr. James Lindsay bringing him in. Um, if you're not familiar with him, look him up because he's someone you won't want to miss. And then obviously Ben Shapiro coming up. Get out to these. These are those shows that you... If you didn't get tickets to, you start following the guy on Twitter after or on X, rather, I should say. I'm um, in like, oh, I really wish I would have gone to that. Go check these out. These people, lots of them, it's their first trip to Canada, their first trip to Alberta. Um, they may not come back. So do not miss out on these opportunities. Plus, the other thing is if these folks show up and there's just massive attendance, imagine the caliber of speakers that are going to be coming in to Calgary. I want Calgary, Alberta. Canada, in fact, but particularly my hometown, to be a place where speakers like that's where you have to go. The conservatives come out and support people who take a stand. So consider coming to any of these incredible events. They're certainly going to be great. Another thing that I absolutely love about Alberta is just how well we're doing. Uh, Daniel Smith, if you if you believed if you believed the media, if you believed uh, the Stephen Gilbow, um, if you believed so much of what we heard throughout the election leading up to it, she's she's unhinged and she's not safe and, and everything's going to go off the rails. Well, Canadians flock to Alberta in record numbers as population booms by 184,400 people. Um, and it's no secret that, that part of this, at least, is a result of Danielle Smith standing up to Ottawa, standing up for industries, prioritizing jobs, and making a difference. Alberta's population continues to soar, according to latest Statistics Canada report, notching not only the highest net interprovincial gains ever recorded for the province, but also for any single province since such data started being uh, recorded. Alberta was home to 4.7 million people as of July 1st, according to annual population estimates um, on released on Wednesday, a little more than 4% higher than the same time last year. That's an additional, as we mentioned, 184,400 people. What's wild is people tend to move to Alberta and then that stopped. There was a mass exodus under the NDP um, and then a conservative government comes back in and people start flooding back in. Um, NDP voters take note that is the like literally people will flee when an NDP government is elected. So when I say NDP voters, I mean Edmonton. What are you doing? Just just look at these numbers. People from around Canada flood here for the advantage that occurs under conservative governments, even if they're not particularly good conservative governments. I think the government right now happens to be doing a pretty good job. Obviously, we're gonna hold them accountable the places we feel that they are not, but people across this country are taking Note, what do you think, Sid? Is my assessment on base, off base? What are we, what are we seeing here? Well, I, I think the reason why you're seeing the, the attraction drawing here towards Alberta is because Alberta is doing 
comparatively, I think, probably the best out of all Canadian provinces and territories. Uh, you, you look at her stance or initiatives, it, it is boding very well for Albertans. However, I think the one cautionary tale here is even though there's, you know, record uh, population increase, that's also a very dangerous thing to have. I don't know, maybe we'll get to some of the uh, the international news about that uh, later on about migration and some of the, the issues that arise from just unparalleled numbers uh, uh, that we're seeing over recent years and the effect that has. Uh, but I think the reason why you're seeing this growth specifically in Alberta uh, is because Alberta is becoming a place where people can prosper uh, better so than in many other provinces, especially, you know, the closer you get to Ottawa uh, and federal oversight. It's just, you know, sunny days are gone and when you look over there. So Alberta, Alberta right now is the place to be. And I know Alberta is, you know, heavily focused in energy. And we're going to talk about that uh, pretty shortly because the, there's an ideological warfare that's going on here over energy, uh, obviously with mm -hmm. environmental stuff being the, uh, the, the icing on top. But Adam, do you want to do jump us into our next headline here? Yeah, I, I want to jump to one first really quickly yeah. here because it ties in so perfectly and then we'll transition. The plan was to get to it later. But yeah, I, I, the other thing that you, that you sort of touched on so critically there, though, I think that this trend goes beyond just just the population's migrating here. I think what's going to happen is we're going to create more opportunities for jobs to build houses, let's say. There's going to be more houses. But getting into the energy story a little bit here, and Pierre is going to comment, Pierre Polyev is going to comment on this in a moment. But I also think when other provinces, neighboring provinces potentially, probably not Saskatchewan, likely BC, cave to the 2035 agenda, um, and when Alberta rejects that. We're going to be selling them so much electricity that we're going to see an additional boom because we're going to have to support the provinces. We we tend to support other provinces. There's a bit of a pattern. I don't know if Canadians have noticed, but if they go along with this, there's going to be shortages and we're going to be running power lines across the country, opening coal plants and saving the country again. I don't mind. It's okay. We're willing to do it. We're willing, we're willing to help out. But I think we're going to see a boom from from places that experience rolling brownouts and are willing to pay, pay a premium. And they'll say, hey, we never shut down our natural gas. We never shut down our coal. We can help you out. We can make sure your heaters stay on in winter. On that note, let's jump to this clip of Pierre Polyev absolutely roasting the NDP uh, and Edmonton uh, MP. Uh, I will comment on that and then we'll get into that next headline. You know, if I were that NDP member, I'd be back in Edmonton apologizing to Albertans for her betrayal of that province. Her, pro her party, her leader wants to shut down the single biggest industry in Canada, which is our responsible energy sector. The NDP literally works against the union jobs in Canada's energy sector in that member's own province. She votes in favour of a 61 cent a litre carbon tax that is nearly unanimously opposed by the people of Alberta. Right. Albertans understand what Canadians across the country now understand, which is that the NDP has betrayed working class people right. to favor a radical leftist authoritarian agenda. Us, we as Conservatives, are the only party defending the working class people of Alberta and all of Canada. You know, uh, Politicians are taking note with Daniel Smith's soaring popularity. Last week on stream, it was interesting. I said, this is going to be the litmus test for Pierre Polyevra. If he comes out and, and stands in support of parents on parental rights issues, um, this is going to be a promising indicator. He did so two hours later, so he was probably watching. Maybe, who knows? But it was almost in direct reply to that challenge of, you need to prove that you're conservative on this issue. Now, 
the, the, the sentiments being shared are echoing what Daniel Smith has said here in Alberta. And I, for one, am so happy. The other thing here, too, is we're seeing the Liberals plummet and the NDP were starting to climb in some of the ranks federally. But the NDP brand, don't get me wrong, the NDP is far more moderate. They've promised to do inquiries and never bring back restrictions and mandates um, in, in, in uh, Saskatchewan and Manitoba, particularly with the Manitoba elections looming. But there's this incredible, uh, there's this incredible trend of, of pushing back that the NDP can't respond to. And you look at the federal NDP, all they do is prop up Justin Trudeau and they don't really take action when they could end this government right now. And then provincially here in Alberta, you look at the NDP, all they're doing is touting Justin Trudeau talking points as his popularity is plummeting. I don't understand their strategy. Everyone else is becoming aware of the situation. I don't know who they're trying to placate. It's certainly not voters because their popularity is plummeting, but the trend is uh, changing things uh, seem to be coming to a head. And, and and the tide is turning. And, and I mean, these folks have been on dry land for so long. They've been winning so long, whether it's on parental rights, whether it's on environment. Um, the tide's finally coming back. These folks don't know how to swim. They're panicking because everything seems to be going the other way right now. Is that what you're seeing too, Sid? Well, in a, a bit of a, let me just say from uh, the JCCF dinner last night, what, what was said was that uh, lies move fast, but the truth prevails. That's not exactly what was said, I believe. But uh, the essence much, is yeah. that truth over a long period of time will prevail over uh, the lies that are presented. And that's yeah. what we're seeing now. We've had a decade of nice words. And I say that nice words with no substance. And now people are starting to realize, oh, Wait, wait, wait on a second. Oh, people actually have a point when they're criticizing Justin Trudeau. I mean, and I, the one, I mean, it's, it's such a perfect sample at the moment is Justin Trudeau and everybody celebrating a Nazi in the parliament. It's such yeah. a clear example to everybody out there that like, wait, hold on a second. They're, they're, they're literally using spin. They're playing this game of manipulating what's being said. The more people see that, the better. And, and I really do think in terms of Pierre and Daniel Smith, uh, Danielle Smith, uh, uh, the now premier of Alberta, is very much so she was the, the test case in many senses for Pierre, uh, especially coming out of the, the pandemic, as it were. And the pandemic isn't just about, you know, vaccine mandates, this, that, whatever. It, it also, I think, awakened a lot of people up uh, to the fact that there are two primal uh, uh, ideological camps. There's, you know, I'll call them order and chaos, but, you know, left and right in a sense. All of the people that you see, a lot of the people that you see at the, or that you used to see at the freedom protests, many of them are now at the Million March for Children, uh, the demonstrations against these LGBTQ uh, manifestations in our schools. They're, they're very aligned in multiple levels, in multiple, uh, 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 I guess, different areas of, you know, concern. So it's interesting to see the the translation from the, the, uh, the, premier in the provincial election that we had now that's transcending into the political level uh, and you know you do have to be cognizant of the fact that that division that was created during the pandemic by our federal uh, government largely uh, that's something that people don't want anymore and that's partly yeah. the reason why we're seeing more logical conversations being had there's less uh, buy-in for these feel-good conversations Absolutely. because now you know you got to put you got to put your money where your mouth is or it'll be too late and we're seeing that uh, across the uh, across the world actually we're seeing that with the, in the particular case of migration uh, some serious issues that are starting to unfold so we we got to get ahead of these issues and we're not going to get ahead of them if Justin Trudeau is our prime minister well, and it's interesting. I, I had a conversation, uh, two conversations actually, with a uh, prominent imam here in Calgary um, on this subject, and it was incredibly interesting. You, you talked about order and chaos, but there's also sort of the sentiment of like, 
logic and yeah. and dogma. Uh, so when you talk to progressives, they're all touting the same line. If you push them on it or challenge them on it, they don't really have backing. They, they, they're basically te- they're repeating a party line. There's not like a, a strong conviction, and it's very monolithic. They're all like, oh, yeah, we all believe the same thing and we're all together. If you go to the other side of the protest, you have, like, ultra-conservative Muslims. You have Christians of, of all different backgrounds and traditions. You've got hippies concerned over natural health products. Like, there's a whole bunch of people who aren't touting the same dogma, but they have the same sort of principle values about freedom, uh, freedom of speech, freedom to gather, these fundamental freedoms that form society. You can call them libertarian, social conservative, whatever you want, but those groupings that tend to be opposed to that dogmatic, monolithic, progressive mindset, it's diverse and it's organic and it's natural and they're coming together naturally because of concerns, not because of some bizarre dogmatic thing that nobody can quite put their finger on, but everybody is telling or, uh, in a homogeneity. So it's, it's interesting to see that contrast certainly. Uh, but I think the collective having that one single thing, that monolith, that ideological thing that you can bind to, it's kind of like putting on a team Jersey and it feels good for a while, but eventually if, if you're not playing a sport and there's no substance there and all you're doing is wearing a Jersey that tends to fade. And this speaks to your point about the lies, lies being fast, but truths per- prevailing. Um, the substance is starting to come to the surface and all this stuff that for 20, 30 years has been pushing the tide, as we mentioned, it's starting to fade away because there's no substance. It's been a veneer the whole time. Um, but we're, we're going to talk a lot about LGBTQ stories. We're going to get into this. Let's go back a little bit to the story that we were we were originally getting to, which is uh, back on this theme of 2035 net zero targets. Um, Daniel Smith attributes rising power bills to federal ideology, 100% on the note, maintains opposition to 2035 net zero target. When you look at BC, Manitoba, Ontario, and Quebec, they're all in a position where 95% of their more power grid is decarbonized, Daniel Smith will rebel news, but they're also at maximum power, so they face the same challenges that we do. Alberta and Saskatchewan have the most to lose from the proposed clean energy regulations. Alberta Daniel Smith says everyone's going to end up paying more if electricity costs, uh, irrespective of where we live, uh, go up. According to a new report by Toronto-based policy think tank LFX Associates, phasing out Alberta natural gas from Ontario's power grid would cost the average household more than about three thousand dollars two thousand three hundred dollars uh and that'd be through electricity costs in 2030 listen uh, the the thing that sort of pops up here is the the focus all albertans are focused on i can barely pay my bills there's housing concerns costs are skyrocketing we know that forcing a transition will make things cost more. And we've seen in other places, California, wherever it may be, that that it doesn't work. There's browning rollouts are telling people not there to charge their car. It also doesn't work. Why can't we for just a moment draw? And this is the thing is, is people are starting to get sick of the ideology, but Trudeau is all in. He doesn't have a personality anymore. He's just a, a collection of ideologies, superficial ideologies that he's bought into. Why can't we just for a few minutes stop with ideologies and focus on making life affordable and getting back to basics? Uh, and I think this is the death knell for this liberal government is they can't just stop for a second and make a couple reasonable decisions to help people. They can't not be pushing an agenda for even a minute. 
Well, and this is a great way to express the fact that Justin Trudeau's narcissism isn't limited to just himself. This is something that has been in, created in the very party that he exists in. He's been creating that mentality ever since he's been the prime minister. This narcissistic, we're not going to give you an answer. We're never going to apologize because admitting fault is the the uh, most, least favorable thing that could possibly be imagined. Um, I mean, think about it. If Justin Trudeau did apologize, what would be the repercussions? Now he's admitted guilt to himself. Um, I don't think that's something he's willing to do ever. And that's exactly what's going to happen with the Liberal Party. And you know, they, I care much more about what politicians do compared to what they say, even though what they say can be pretty damning. Um, but what does Justin Trudeau say? He says that he wants to save the planet. What does he do? He steals your money with a carbon tax. The, yeah. I, I don't care what he's saying at this point. It's his actions that matter. You want to save yeah. the planet? Well, how about planting all those trees you said you were going to plant? No, you want to save the planet? You know, you reduce this, that carbon emissions. Well, would have been a great way to do that without stealing from Canadians. But no, that's yeah. not the objective. The objective is to allocate finances from people that they shouldn't be taking from and, and redirect it to their friends and alliances internationally. Yeah. J Jason Kenny likes to blame uh, the media. And by the media, I think he means us and largely me for the end of his political career. Um, so many of the yeah. questions we asked him that he then folded on like a cheap tent after committing to not doing those things, aka vaccine passports, which of course he says he didn't do. He brought in a restriction exemption program. Regardless, if he would have had half the cojones of Daniel Smith and just stood up to the federal government, he probably would have been the premier of this province for a very long time. And he would have gone down in the history books a la Ralph Klein as beloved and there would be t-shirts and everyone would be happy. He didn't do that. Now Daniel Smith is. Um, and the feds don't know what to do with it. They're like, wow, we can, Jason Kenney was a, a strong politician. He worked in Ottawa. He understand. He understood the game. He was going to be the guy that could play them. And then Daniel Smith comes in and they they think, oh, well, she, she folded last time. We're going to be able to muscle her. She's rejected that and bucked that trend entirely uh, let's go to some they're not used to being talked to like this um let's go to some of these videos of danielle smith um replying continually in addition to already telling them to put a sock in it um let, let's get to these videos in this new campaign uh to tell the feds uh tell the feds.ca that the the provincial government has launched uh, to put an end to this Legislating and regulating the development of electricity is exclusively a provincial responsibility under our Constitution. And no good intentions can make up for overstepping the limits of the law. The federal electricity regulations will create a system that is massively unaffordable, dangerously unreliable, and utterly unconstitutional. Canadians need to know the facts about what's at stake here. And we're ensuring that they will. Alberta's government has launched a public awareness campaign across the country to inform Canadians of Ottawa's reckless and costly plan. We are running print, radio, television, and social media ads, along with billboards and bus wraps. These highlight how the regulations will make it more expensive for Canadians by increasing power bills. It'll drive off investment in jobs, and it will threaten the reliability of our power grid and put it at risk. And as we all begin to feel the temperatures dip and the wind grow cooler, having just come off uh, a summer with, uh, with heat waves, we are reminded that we live in a country of extremes. Our campaign urges everyone to contact their MPs and, the, and have their say so that Ottawa can hear how many people are deeply concerned. Yeah, you know what's wild is... Uh, 
touch on a lot of great stuff there. You can kind of unpack that for yourself, though. Look, look at even the conversation around the Alberta pension plan. We're not going to talk about it much today, but Quebec, Quebec's already doing that, and that's fine. But the second Alberta wants to do it, that's problematic. Quebec is doing its own thing on energy. They're, they're doing very well with hydro. Nobody says anything. The NDP has no problem with it. They dare not question them. Alberta is saying, you know what, we're, we're going to take a note out of Quebec's book and we're going to do what's best for us for a change. Um, and they can't stand that because we are paying the bills for the province or for the country rather very often. And now we're finally standing up for ourselves. But we are, we're seeing this again. This is unconstitutional. It doesn't make any sense. It's not evidence-based. Now, I, for one, I'm not crazy about the government spending money on advertising, but uh, I think in the long term, this is going to be one of those ones that pays for itself, so we shall see. Um, we can jump in. I think we have one more clip of Danielle Smith from the same thing, um, and then we can react to sort of both of them collectively, though. Potentially. Just pulling it up. The, it's just, just loading. Uh, should be just fine. It, Sid, though, while, while that's coming up, and we can jump away if, if uh, once it loads, but... Uh, Oh, here we go. By now, you're all aware of Ottawa's proposed electricity regulations, which are intended to force rapid and risky changes on the nation's power grid by 2035. Calling their plans poorly conceived doesn't begin to touch on their injustice. They are disastrously uninformed and totally disconnected from reality. If implemented, the proposed federal electricity regulations will stick Canadian families and businesses with unaffordable bills and provincial governments with crushing debt. And the grid itself, based on unreliable energy sources, will risk leaving many of us shivering in the darkness in the dead of winter or sweating it out in plus 30 weather in the summer. There are a few major facts that deserve to be widely known. First is the cost of Canada's electricity systems has been built up over decades. Radically redesigning them in 12 years would cost Canadians at least a trillion dollars and possibly as much as $1.7 trillion. Alberta would bear the largest cost of any province, estimated at coming anywhere between $200 billion to more than $400 billion. And those expenses would ultimately end up being passed on to you. Albertans, everyone, from single parents to nonprofits to small businesses. How governments, families, and businesses would be able to pay for all of this is beyond me. I suspect it's beyond Ottawa, too. In their rush to serve narrow ideological interests and pat themselves on the back, they didn't stop to think about the consequences for Canadians. So she said that uh, their plan is uh, totally disconnected, they're disastrously uninformed and totally disconnected from reality. An app descriptor, I think, also for Justin Trudeau. But to hear that absolute, like just categorical evisceration, um, the pointing out of the facts, listen, we're not California where if the power goes out, and don't get me wrong, I get some parts of California are cold, but we're not California where if the power goes out, you'll be okay you're going to be huddling around in a basement wrapped up in blankets trying to survive, maybe in an attic, so the heat raises, we'll see, though. But th this is a survival-level crisis, and this isn't just, oh, you won't be able to charge your electric cars. This is, you won't be able to cook food. You won't be able to uh, turn your heat on. Your house will freeze over. You won't be able to start your car because there'll be no heat. And this is seriously problematic, and I'm glad that this government is saying enough is enough, and I'm glad that this government is calling out the federal government because this is mad this is madness like this is we're we're no longer the canada we once were we're no longer respected on a global stage things are generally affordable but for now the power other than first nations communities with which trudeau doesn't do much to help um 
for now in most places the power comes on the heat stays on and you can run water this is the 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 government the federal government's like last ditch effort to make us no longer a first world country that seems to be what's happening here they want to take even that last sensible bit of decency and first worldness away from canada well, all you have to do, and you know, Daniel Smith is providing a very sensible uh, conversation here uh, with the the federal agencies that are involved in the federal ministers, etc. Uh, but where are we going with all of this? Are we going? Are we going to the you know twenty twenty? Uh, pardon me, 2020, uh, 2050, 2030 uh, world agendas. Or are we looking at what the municipalities need, what the provinces need, what Canadian citizens need? Uh, what kind of path is Justin Trudeau laying out there? He's clearly laying out a path that is far more aligned with the quote, unquote, you know, global agenda, as it were, than he is any plan that is beneficial to Canada and Canadians. I mean, you think about, you know, this is a, an example I've brought up before. If if Justin Trudeau was so determined to fight Russia and you know offset them in this war on Ukraine. Why didn't why wasn't the first thing he did was build a pipeline from Alberta straight to the East Coast so that we could just pump oil into Europe or natural gas or whatever it might be? Why didn't he take that step? That that would have been beneficial for us. That would have been beneficial for Europe. But that doesn't work because that creates more oil usage that gives Alberta more of an advantage. And Alberta doesn't necessarily play ball as well with the global agenda as the feds do. And the feds want this power. It's absolutely shameful. And all you have to do is look at his policies, look at what Canadians need, and look at what the global agenda is. Which one is Trudeau aligned with? Everyone knows it's the global agenda, and it doesn't work for Canadians. And it goes back to the military spending. We're talking about the estimated costs being 50 times our total government military spending in order to reshape the grid based on this ideology. Um, really quickly before we cut to an ad break, then we're going to come back and get through a lot of stories here. Uh, but David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, yes, the Edmonton Journal, David Staples has been good on some issues. Uh, he, he tweets, the Sovereignty Act was created to prevent obnoxious and illegal federal intrusions into Alberta's constitutionally protected areas such as our power grid. Use it. Ignore the foolish alarmist feds. Keep Alberta's grid safe and reliable words of wisdom uh, even the Edmonton Journal hopping on board the uh, Daniel Smith train it would appear on this issue anyways and don't get me wrong it sounds a little bit like we're fanboying when Daniel Smith makes mistakes and she will make mistakes we will be on top of her it's just when politicians do good things and it's rare that we have politicians fervently standing up for Alberta and doing good things we have to cover that fairly and highlight that important work. Um, but but make no mistake, this is not a uh, fanboying train. The same way many were encouraged with Jason Kenney as he came up, when he betrayed those principles, when he didn't stick to his words, we certainly held him accountable. So the same applies to all politicians. Um, fortunate though, for the time being, we definitely have a government that's standing with us. Uh, we'll jump to, was there one more thing, Sid? Are you good? Like, yeah. well, I mean, maybe I can say, you know, you know, on the yeah. fanboy remark, it, you look at the way Premier Smith is talking about these things. She's very aligned with the industry as opposed to the federal government. Uh, and, you know, what does she say? She still wants the, the 2050 agenda. And this is all predicated on environmental, you know, quote unquote, science, as it were. And, and that's the underlying argument or the underlying conversation that's not being discussed is the validity of these, you know, environmental world ending accusations. Uh, it's kind of being subverted for, you know, a reasonable stance within the transition, but the transition itself isn't being questioned. Um, so right. if you're looking for criticism, there is criticism to be had. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I know I, I do appreciate that. I've asked 
Danielle Smith several Premier Premier Smith several times. Why do why are we even using this rhetoric? And she says, well, the industry's using it. And she even said, maybe I shouldn't be, but this is what the industry says. And uh, we're not our job is not to regulate and 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 monitor the industry entirely. It's to sort of govern and create a framework for success jobs opportunities all that stuff so um let's jump to the sad break and then we're going to come back we got lots of stories to get through still canadians are grappling with news blackouts on social media due to the justin trudeau liberal government's bill c-18 this new piece of legislation demands that social media platforms pay the government for news shared by users, which is an inconceivable task for companies like Meta and Google. So as a result, they have decided to preemptively block all Canadian news content, including ours at Rebel News. In response to this, we have since teamed up with VPN provider Private Internet Access to ensure that you can continue to access all of our content across a broad range of platforms while also maintaining your privacy. For only $2 a month, you can bypass Trudeau's new censorship laws while you safeguard freedom of speech and continue to get the news that matters to you the most. Visit piavpn.com slash rebelnews to take advantage of the 84% discount and four months free. As a bonus, PIA has all of its servers located in the United States, not China, and they automatically delete user data from their servers to avoid leaks and government subpoenas for information phishing expeditions. Don't delay. Head over to piavpn.com slash rebel news to stay up to date on the news in Canada and protect your access to it. Don't delay. You don't want to be left behind. Yeah, really, folks, that PIA deal is the best deal you're going to get. I've been using PIA VPN for years. My late subscription just came up, so I renewed and did that deal, and it's the best deal you're going to get. I think you're getting, if I remember correctly, two years plus four months, 84% off. The four months are free. Um, You're not going to get a better deal than that, and they are one of those companies they don't have servers in countries that are likely to uh, come and try and seize them. And they like immediately clean their server records. So there's nothing on there. So the government can't come and, and dig up your history, your communications, whatever it may be. Um, and then obviously with this government going out of their way to block access to news, that is one of the ways you can most uh, easily access Instagram, Facebook, all of these things that uh, that the Trudeau government has uh, unfortunately forced Facebook and Instagram to sort of block because they're not willing to play by their rules. Um, speaking of someone who's not willing to play by the rules, Daniel Smith standing up to the uh, government and Scott Moe, uh, the premier in Saskatchewan, standing up to the agenda courts. Uh, generally, push them to shove on appeals after a period of time. The courts usually will get it close to right, not entirely right, but we've had a lot of wins when push comes to shove because these federal court, Supreme Court, whatever it may be, judges, they know the sort of gravity of getting one of these wrong. So we've taken the government uh, to court over access to, to leaders' debates over a number of things, um, lots of the cases of appeal. Um, whether it be the the pastors or people prosecuted under under COVID nineteen, victories are taking place. We saw the big Ingram decision. So, but in the meantime, the lower level courts, there seems to be a lot of uh, political agenda going on, and and the rulings don't necessarily make sense, and they're very often condemned by the higher courts. Um, so Scott Mo, uh, we 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 obviously saw that they were uh, implementing effectively a parental 
uh, consent, parental acknowledgement, parental rights uh, movement. Uh, we, we're seeing this becoming a major trend right across Canada, the Million March for Children um, being the latest event. But parents in this country are concerned over what's happening in schools. Um, there's no way that a child and a teacher should have secrets from a parent. That is the 101 of grooming. Like when when I've worked in institutions that work with children, you watch for people who are trying to establish secrets and exclude the parents as the number one red flag. That is textbook grooming behavior. And this isn't a contentious thing to say. Um, but so they bring in this policy saying parents need to be in the loop effectively, and the courts effectively strike it down saying, no, that's not going to happen. Um, fortunately, Scott Moe, and we'll just read his response to the court's ruling. Uh, today, I asked the speaker to recall the Legislative Assembly on Tuesday, October 10th to pass legislation to protect parents' rights. Our government is extremely dismayed by the judicial overreach of the court blocking implementation of the parental inclusion and consent policy, a policy which has a strong support of majority of Saskatchewan residents, in particular Saskatchewan parents. The default position should never be to keep a child's information from their parents. It is in the best interest of children to ensure parents are included in their children's education, in their classrooms, and in all important decisions involving their children. That is why our government will take action to ensure the rights of Saskatchewan parents are protected and that this policy is implemented by recalling the legislative assembly and using the notwithstanding clause of the Canadian constitution to pass legislation to protect parental rights. So they're saying courts be damned. We're using the notwithstanding clause and we are making this enshrined law within our land. We now have Pierre Polyevre standing up in defense of parental rights, Scott Moe, Daniel Smith, the list goes on again. This is, this is a massive shift in the tide uh, that that is massively overdue. And one thing that struck me, and we're going back, and I and I mentioned we talk about this a bit from last night. But one of the things that Dr. J. Bhattacharya uh, rather uh, said, and he was talking about the Freedom Convoy and how Canadians really changed the perspective on the world, and the whole world looked to the Freedom Convoy. And, and he said we Canadians, the truckers, saved the world. It's incredibly interesting, the comment that he made after that, though, in relation to this Million uh, March event that took place, and in relation to so many of these uh, politicians finally taking a stand, the fact that Canadians just stopped caring about people calling them names. So for a long time through Canadian history, Canadians would back off, you're a bigot, you're a transphobe, you're this. Canadians don't like being called that. So they backed off and backed off and backed off. And that's why so much progress has been made. But folks, when they cross that line of parents protecting their kids, parents said, you know what, call me whatever you want. I don't care anymore. I'm standing up for my kids. Parents will die for their kids. And many of these politicians are parents. They know firsthand what it means to take a stand when it counts. Uh, the progressives didn't count on this pushback. But People, parents in this country are saying, you know what, I don't care. Call me whatever you want. You've used those words so much, they don't mean anything. Ironically, as Trudeau is celebrating a Nazi, his progressive voters are calling other people Nazis. They've they've disparaged and done a disservice to those insults. Um, and they've used them so broadly that people simply don't care anymore. And people are taking a stand for common sense, no matter what you call them. I think it's a welcome shift for Canada. What do you think, Sid? Well, you mentioned the speaker from last night, and I'll, I'll get back to the, you know, trans, you know, stuff as it were. Um, but he mentioned how the Canadian truckers, the Freedom Convoy movement, changed the political landscape of the world. Same thing. Yeah. I remember an interview uh, I helped to do camera work for uh, that you interviewed Sarah Palin, the former governor of Alaska. Um, yeah. She said the exact same thing. Canadian truckers woke up the world. I'm actually going to, uh, I was, uh, I have an old clip of uh, Christine Anderson when she was here in Alberta. Uh, I actually got to meet her in Calgary. Uh, 
uh, and I, I interviewed her, I asked two questions, and she said the exact same thing. Canadian truckers woke up the world. And what impact did that have? Well, people took to the streets to make change because they saw that this messed up reality that was being presented to them wasn't just localized. It was international. Canadian truckers woke up the world. And they're doing the same thing with this Million March. And people are standing up and they're realizing, yeah, if you want to mutilate children, you should go to jail. There's no two ways about that. If you want to cut off young children's breasts or young boys, you know, testicular organs, uh, you, you want to cut off body parts of young children like that, you want to manipulate them into thinking that they are not uh, a man or a woman, a boy, a girl. You, there's, you got some serious problems. And if you get to that point where you're cutting up children, you should go to jail. Yeah. And if you, there, I love the, like, the, I think it was gays against groomers had a thing that was like, if you have a problem with this law, this law is for you. Uh, like you're the person it was designed for. Um, we have another article, hundreds of trans teens under 18 have had breasts removed in Canada. New data shows. Um, we, we've seen also interviews from like Project Veritas and organizations like that, where they're talking about targeting people uh, young. And the, the fact is here, listen, if you're an adult, do whatever you want. Uh, I don't, I'd rather not pay for it, but do whatever you want. Uh, the issue here, though, is the, the level of regret and the suicidal ideation that results from youth transitioning is devastating. There are underlying issues. And the fact is, and you can talk to the people personally directly, I've had the opportunity to interview Walt Hare, who transitioned uh, for years, and, and, and he, among many other people, they weren't told the facts, their stories weren't, the, the, it wasn't, here's all the information, here's informed consent, here's what might happen. There are horror stories about these botched operations, um, and they're doing them to kids who will never recover. Their lives will never, ever be the same. And this is often when they're, they're, they, they think they're power rangers or they think they're cats or dog. Like it's at, it's at an age that is completely inappropriate. Kids can't get tattoos. They can't vote. They can't smoke. They can't buy a gun. They can't serve in the military, but we can permanently alter them forever, forever, irreparably with questionable fringe operations. This, well, this is, yeah, go ahead. No, if I may, um, you, you talked about how there's kind of a cheapening of words that's been happening here in Canada. You know, you racist, you sexist. Well, those things don't mean anything anymore because everyone uses that to accuse anybody of anything. Uh, and I think it, it, I bring this up because you think about the, you know, LGBTQ plus I triangle movement. Um, it, it, it's an absolute joke. And it, it used to mean something. You know, there were, you know, homosexuals that would demonstrate in protest so that they could have uh, you know, a normal life in many senses, as it were. Now, what are they celebrating? They, they've got uh, hordes of people dressing up in, you know, sexualized doggy outfits, asking children to pet them. Uh, this isn't anything to do with lesbians, gays, or bisexuals, or even, you know, legitimate transsexuals for that matter, as, you know, there is not, you know, the, the people that, you know, allege themselves to be, you know, gender confused, but there are actually people out there who do have these kinds of issues. And yeah. those issues are being exploited en masse and they're being projected onto children. And these children are being told that they have some kind of some variety of sexual issue that they need to accept and indoctrinate themselves into and that they'll grow into. It's absolutely atrocious. Sure, you know, someone might naturally grow up to have certain, you know, sexual, uh, certain sexual difference to to the majority of society. But if we're promoting that en masse, uh, I, I mean, we're creating a, uh, not a society of eunuchs, but we are creating, uh, we're manufacturing eunuchs in our society. And, and these people are going to need support for a long period of time because it's pretty hard to come back from cutting your genitals off. It, it's yeah. not like you can, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and I was just gonna say the other thing that's like that's that's so vexing to me is you look at like and I'm kind of using this term jokingly, but like there's a lot of normal gays out there who like aren't on board with any radical agendas and are just living their lives and and nobody really has a problem with it. What's wild though is there's so few of them involved in politics. There's some, don't get me wrong, but so many of the people who identify as LGBTQ within politics, they don't even stop to question for a second the extreme fringe minority, or maybe the fringe majority, of the movement. Like, if you're a member of this community, you should say, well, I don't want to be associated with minors undergoing irreparable surgeries. And there's a bunch of politicians, there's many here in Alberta who are very proud of, of their, their uh, referring to themselves as ML gays, things like that. Sure, be proud. I don't care. You do you. But but shouldn't you at least be willing to criticize something as extreme as as permanently transitioning a minor? But no, they're all on board with this. The politicians. It's bizarre. Well, and it's not the straights against the gays here. Like that. No, that's not anything that's going on. It's the ideology that's being presented. It's yeah. so toxic and so damaging to people such as children who are very yeah. easily manipulated. Uh, this is something that we're not factoring in, and it's a shame that they are, you know, advocating it as the lesbian, gay, bisexual movement when there's such a clear disconnect. It's not the people. It, nobody cares if you're gay or whatever. It is the ideology. And, and instead, what do people do who defend these things? They say, oh, you're attacking the gays. You're a, a homophobe, you know, this and that, whatever. It's like, no, I just don't want you to cut my child's genitals off. That, yeah. That's, that's one, you know, it shouldn't be shocking. Yeah. One last thing. We have one more big story to talk about after this. But I do want to really quickly, if it's okay. Um, it was so interesting. Many of you probably saw the clip from the Calgary uh, protest of the the child the young young I don't know how old he is pretty much a child saying oh uh, gays are disgusting I, I, I don't know if you've seen that clip Sid mm-hmm. okay yeah. so there's a clip that was cut and edited and shared by everybody with this kid and he no doubt heard there was some stuff being yelled you're disgusting blah 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 from across the street the kid then said no gays are disgusting you're the psychopaths and the crowd kind of goes. <laughs> the kid took a mic. Mahmoud Mura, the organizer that they all say is a bigot, took the microphone away. And we have the clip here. And, and I don't know if we can pull it up. I, I did share it. it. They edited it right at the point where two people sort of awkwardly clap. And then they cut the video. But if we can pull it, I tweeted it and it is in the Slack. If we can pull it up. I'd love for people to see the full video that isn't selectively edited to, to listen to the words of Mahmoud Mura um, that that paint an entirely different picture from what was what, what was shared there. So um, I think they're pulling it up now. Yeah. So listen to the original comments, which I don't agree with at all. But then listen to the part they omitted. No, that's not good. The gays, they are the. No, I want to tell you one thing. Gay people are like us as human. They are flesh and blood. We respect their existence. We respect their choice. Maybe we don't agree with what they do, but still they exist. We respect them because they are our brothers in humanity. The only thing we ask them, not to be involved in our personal life. Not to be involved in our kids' life. Not to be involved in other people's businesses because what you want to do is not no one business. So there you go. 
they edited it, and they also said that's his son, which isn't true. But they edited the clip suggesting he was reinforcing that message. And you saw two of his friends kind of clapping and laughing. But he then takes the microphone and says, no, they are flesh and blood like us. They deserve respect. They're our brothers and sisters. We may not agree with them, but we have to love them. Um, and then the crowd really clapped and cheered. It, it, it's so wild to see the disconnect between reality and then what folks will represent. But the the, the little clip at the start was shared by absolutely everybody uh, who'd, who you'd expect to share it. They edited the end off. And this is this is what's happening within the media. There's going to be... It, lots of what I heard from the other side could clearly be defined as bigoted or or anti-Christian, anti-Muslim, whatever it may be, um, calling people Nazis, whatever whatever it is, while rooting for Nazis. But the 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 fact is, is the majority of these people just care about their kids. They say, if you want to push that on your kids, that's fine. Let's just focus on academics in school. The message is as straightforward as can be. And it doesn't matter if lobby groups or activists or courts disagree with it. Um, that, that's the truth that will prevail. And the lies, as we mentioned off the bat, about these people will spread, but they'll fade quickly. Uh, they'll spread fast. They'll fade quickly. The truth will prevail. Uh, speaking of truth, our final story for the day, uh, Truth and Reconciliation Day uh, tomorrow in uh, in uh, Canada, right across Canada. Um, I guess more than half of Canadians won't celebrate it, which is it something you celebrate? Um, I guess that's the term for a holiday. But what I wanted to talk about on this story uh, more than anything is uh, there's a lot of talk about what needs to be done to honor, to acknowledge, to to get to the bottom of this. And I, I think it's in the it's in the title there is truth and reconciliation. Um, We've been working on truth and sec tr reconciliation from a premise of lies. Um, and, and we can show this next story. Um, it's, we criticize CBC a lot, the odd time, and there's major problems with this reports. Uh, with this report, there's a lot of apologetics for ground penetrating radar, um, and there's a lot of sort of discussion about how, oh well, this doesn't mean that this is the case elsewhere. Um, they also don't re reveal the fact, which spoiler alert, but they don't find anything whatsoever when they're excavating until about two thirds of the way through the very dramatic film. Uh, but the First Nations community. Uh, in this video, and I think it's Pine, sorry, the title's just disappearing here, but it's Pine uh, Creek First Nations. Uh, their chief said, we don't know what we're going to find. There might be nothing. There might be something. Uh, but their community, apparently some of the locals wanted to just go in and dig um, immediately saying, we need to know if there's something here, if there isn't. Um, and of course they said, well, we need to hire professionals. But their chief said, whatever the truth may be, we need to get to the bottom of it. Uh, and we need to dig. So they took the sort of 14 most promising ground penetrating pings that happened to be in the basement of a church. And lo and behold, as we've predicted in so many of these cases, and they say they don't want people saying we predicted this or I told you so. But the fact is, is this seems to be the case. We've also said if there are graves, dig them so that so that people can be held accountable. But nothing was found whatsoever here. And the people are relieved that they that nothing was found because the horror stories that they've been told, the horror stories that broke the hearts of the community, I for one, and one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this is because I've talked to First Nations people who have just wept because they believe that mass murders took place of children. They believe that that's what they've been told. And that is quite simply not the case. That is not what happened. So truth and reconciliation is necessary. What happened to First Nations people, this government did plan to get rid of them. They planned to erase their culture. When that didn't really work, they were like, ah, oh, we can leave them to die. Our government did that. That is true. Um, we need to tackle the government that's currently espousing similar policies and forcing people to accept 
indoctrination and education that they don't believe in. Our government has learned nothing whatsoever, but they want everyone else paying and suffering. They, they don't care that First Nations communities are torn up by this because they're scoring political points. But we need to dig absolutely everywhere, sensitively, professionally. We need scholars to do it to unveil the truth so that we can come to reconciliation. Because until that is done, uh, until digs like this, they dug 14 of 71 possible sites and absolutely nothing was found whatsoever. Until that is done at all of these sites, these people, it's it's like waiting for someone to pass. You don't know the information. Someone could dig and find these answers, but these communities are just waiting, just suffering. And every year is another day of truth and reconciliation rolls by and we haven't unveiled the truth here there's just more hurt more suffering more division these communities deserve answers and, and I, I for one am grateful to the chief from pine creek for first nations uh, for providing his community with answers well and maybe I, I could just add if we can pull up that uh, the truth and uh, reconciliation headline for a second you see that uh, you know uh, canadians are less inclined to celebrate 57 percent, i believe it was uh, are, are less inclined to support this movement. Yeah, 50% uh, also believe or that there are other issues, uh, pardon me, but uh, they won't be celebrating Truth and Reconciliation Day. And I actually think this is a sad thing, uh, I, perhaps quasi in alignment with you, not because, you know, I think that the, the inflammatory remarks Justin Trudeau made about this, um, you know, are valid. I, I think that there does need to be uh, sympathy for real issues that we have as you address, you know, there were actual, there's an actual history there um, yeah. where, you know, not every Everybody, you know, was the winner. Um, so uh, I do think it is sad that there is that deflation. But where did this, where, where did this headline come from? Why is it that there's a decrease in interest? Well, because the peak interest, it, it was brought in around the time on the tail end of the Black Lives Matter movement in uh, the United States. And this was a huge issue. There were cities being lit on fire. And this was like our version of that, uh, the, yeah. you know, truth and reconciliation, a bunch of dead native kids somewhere in the backwoods of Canada. Uh, and Trudeau got the nation riled up. He, he put fuel on this fire. He made it completely political. And then now when it's no longer convenient for him, well, uh, it, you can see he's not advocating he's not pumping it out he's not doing the the photo shoots and surfing uh that he was doing previously when advocating for these things he just doesn't care because it's not as useful to him anymore so that's where you know i do remain you know sympathetic to the people that Absolutely. have had issues from you know the the real history that we have here in canada yeah and, and i'm extreme i i think i think having these conversations and this chief who's willing to dig is the is the perspective of people who are actually sympathetic towards the plights of first nations people most people who are uh in line with the liberal agenda and on board with the sort of woke addressing of first nations issues they they haven't been out to a first nations community they haven't had conversations with the people they haven't seen the hurt and they also they sort of put first nations people on a pedestal where they don't interact with them as people and that, that's factual they aren't willing to have conversations that they'd have with anybody else else with first nations people because they view them as these sort of other creatures and that's terrible that is racism we need to come together and i remember uh one of the elders i won't even say his name to get him in heat or anything but one of the very respected elders said you know what i'm sick of this these, this, these politics i'm an indian you're a white man let's sit down and have tea together those are the types of conversations we need to have get over this sort of abstraction and division that this Liberal government has just been driving it for so long. We need to gather and get together. And you hit the nail on the head there. We do need to get to the the roots of this, the suffering, the current ongoing issues within First Nations cultures, the 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 lack of access to clean water um, that is still devastating and heartbreaking. And this government constantly sort of. Uh, 
prides themselves on being the ones dealing with it and, and certainly campaigns on dealing with it, but they quite simply aren't when you talk into to people in these communities uh, firsthand and, 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 and directly. That's what we need to break down, the stigma around these conversations so that we can get to the truth of the matter. Truth and reconciliation, that is what it is all about. Um, looking forward in the next coming while to covering more stories on this issue. But yeah, folks, like go out experience the culture go to like your there's like there's museums wherever you are um these people are eager eager to share their culture um and you can learn from them and then next time someone says oh well i've never been to a, a reservation or spoken to first nations people but justin trudeau told me this about first nations people you can be like well actually i was over with uh this elder from this community and they actually told me this that the the picture that this government has painted of First Nations people in this country is not what First, patient, First Nations people are. And if you meet them firsthand, you're going to realize that very, very quickly. Um, so it's certainly a, 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 a tense issue. But tomorrow, you know what, if you're like, I'm sick of truth and reconciliation, reject what the government has made it. Throw that away. Put that by the wayside. And take a moment to consider the part of the heritage and part of the culture that built Canada. These people contributed in our war efforts. We would have we would have not been what we are without them in the war efforts. They've contributed fundamentally. Um, you look at some of the legacies, particularly in World, World War II, with languages being used as coding mechanisms. Uh, they are a critical part of our culture that cannot be forgotten. And we do have to look to the harms of the past, the things that have occurred, to ensure that they do not happen again. So tomorrow... Uh, don't let them make Truth and Reconciliation Day a woke thing that is anti-culture, that is anti-Canadian, that is what Trudeau wants it to be. Reappropriate it, make it your own, and take a moment to think about Aboriginal contributions in this country. Uh, sorry to get preachy, but uh, but I had to. Uh, Sid, I want to thank you so much. We've gone a little bit over today, but there was so much to talk about. Sid, thanks so much. Any final words for folks out there? Absolutely. And, you know, final words, taxes theft. Adam, to you. <laughs> Perfect. Tax is theft. There you have it, Sid. Thank you so much. You were great today. I want to thank everyone in the studio for making this possible. It's still magic to me how you pull stuff up and make it appear on the screen. I don't understand. Glad I don't have to do it. But without you guys, this show wouldn't happen. Everyone in the office, uh, our folks across the country doing so much incredible work, indeed, around the world. And most importantly, our viewers who make all of this possible. Without you, we quite simply couldn't do it. So thank you so much. As always, for Rebel News, I'm Adam Sos. Dr. James Lindsay, who is a frequent guest of both Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson, and the host of the New Discourse podcast, is coming to Alberta for the first time. And so the conclusion was that we now have to train men the way that we train dogs with like leashes and shock collars and, and things in order to in order to get rape culture to go away. Medic religion is actually the easiest way to kind of make sense, honestly, of the trans phenomenon as well. Well, the queer theory thinks that there are certain people who get to set the norms of society. Dr. Lindsay will be speaking directly to the dangers of critical theory and its gender ideology uh, that are pushing their way into children's classrooms. In queer theory, you know, calling somebody saying you're a man or a woman is called a violence of categorization. You just, why don't you say it's, this is systemic sexism and distinguished from what most people think of as sexism. She said, no, it is sexism, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. But they're clearly not the same thing. You don't want to miss this, tickets are selling fast. You can get yours today. That is being run by Take Back Alberta, so you can get those tickets on their website. October 2nd and October 3rd are the dates. And it's going to be an incredible event.